today on the Literacy Lounge, we're diving into the world of comprehension. Think back to the last book or article that you read. Did you remember and read every word and concept? Did everything click instantly? For many students, the journey to comprehension is not straightforward. We're uncovering today the nine often overlooked factors that play a critical role in how well a student grasps what they read. So whether you're an educator, a parent, or a lifelong learner, this episode is packed with insights that can revolutionize the way that you think about reading. So stay tuned. Teaching skills like reading comprehension doesn't have to be overwhelming. With the right tools and strategies in place, you can find success for you and your students. Step into the Literacy Lounge, the podcast that will give you the what, why, and how to elevate your literacy instruction and get the results you've always wanted. Here's your host and veteran elementary school teacher, Sierra Harris. Reading comprehension is a massive undertaking in the classroom. Comprehension is not a one-way street. It's a multi-level complex system that involves various aspects and factors that play a part in a reader's ability to successfully comprehend. And many teachers use reading levels, whether it's guided reading level, Lexile, AR, whatever, to understand how to help students comprehend better. However, there are so many other factors outside of level that impact a child's ability to comprehend and really actually understand the text that they're reading. So we're going to break down each of these factors a bit more to truly be able to understand what impacts reading comprehension. So I've broken it down into nine areas today. So promise it's not going to overwhelm you. We're going to get through it. But I couldn't really take any of these out. So we're going to go through them all. All right. So number one is schema or background knowledge. Research shows that the best tool a reader brings with them to the text is their schema. What a student already knows and understands about a topic when reading drastically impacts their ability to comprehend. One of the very first things that happens actually in our brains when reading is the frontal lobe actually registering the level of interest and connection that we have to what we're reading. That instant connection can make our brains turn on or turn off. So students need to understand the power behind their schema and also learn how to use it to their advantage when reading. As teachers, we need to make sure to take this into tremendous consideration when picking mentor text, articles, and activities for our students. We need to make it a priority to give students things to read that they do have a schema on to help them progress their reading comprehension. If you're following anything right now with the science of reading, schema is everything. This is the number one thing on this list that I had to, when I was putting all this together for you today, this was the number one thing. And honestly, this is the one thing that when you leave this episode, I want you to remember. If we are not activating, acknowledging, building upon their background knowledge, then we are doing them a complete disservice. And it's one of the most essential components and reasons why students do not or cannot comprehend a text. So when we're talking about factors and things that affect comprehension, this is it right here. This is this is the big one. Schema and background knowledge. All right, number two on the list today is motivation. 
So like I mentioned before, one of the first things that happen really inside of our brain when we read is that our brain recognizing or recognizes whether we have schema and interest in the topic that we're reading. So the more interest we have, the more our brains actually stay focused, stay motivated, and the better our memories will be when it comes to recalling information. It's it's brain science. So a student's motivation level is scientifically in direct correlation with their ability to comprehend a text. So if we want to keep our students motivated, we need to allow them to simply choose what they read. We need to do what we can to match the right book with the right reader. And I love how there's a textbook out there called From Striving to Thriving. It's written by Stephanie Harvey and Annie Ward. And there's a phrase in that book that has completely latched onto me. The quote is, change the book, change the reader. And it is so true. If we can get students matched with the right book based on their interests, their likes, their wants, then we don't need to teach them things like stamina. They're automatically going to have it. So making sure our students are really connected and motivated can really be a strong factor in whether or not they are comprehending. Number three on our list today is voice and choice. So let me ask you this question. Are there people right now picking out the books that you're reading? Like as an adult, are people finding articles and putting them in front of you or putting books in a book tub that they think will interest you? <laughs> no, right? That, that does not happen. We love to read as adults because we get to choose what we want to read. And so this needs to happen in our classrooms as well, allowing students to have voice and choose the text that they read. Now, you're probably thinking, I already do that. They already get to choose you know, what they what they read from our classroom library, our school library. Yeah, that's great. Okay. But what about the other text? If you really think about the amount of time that they get to read in the classroom, it's a lot less of time than we really want them to be reading. I get that. However, when we really look at how much they're reading, how much of what they're reading is them choosing to read versus us putting you know, books from the curriculum in front of them or articles from the curriculum in front of them or the leveled readers in front of them from our curriculum, or maybe it's an article from ReadWorks or uh, Scholastic or something that we found that we're reading. We put a lot of text in front of our kids, but very little of it or the amount of it is what they are wanting to read or what they're choosing to read. So I challenge you to really look for more areas in where students can express their voice and choice in what they want to read. For example, let's say you're putting together a lesson on main idea this week. I'm just using main idea as as a complete example. And you are on ReadWorks. You're looking for an article that your students could read that's relevant and interesting or whatever. And you found an article. Great. Why not find two or three? And then when you make your copies, you have a few copies of each article and let them choose. If you're doing a graphic organizer, who cares what article is going into the graphic organizer? I guarantee you, you as a teacher are going to be able to figure out very easily and quickly whether or not they grasp or master the concept or the content or the standard, despite the fact that there are three articles that you gave them than one. So if it motivates them, if it increases motivation, 
if it allows them to activate their schema more easily because I was able to choose an article on basketball versus snow tubing. Like I have schema for basketball, but I don't snow tube. And I'm more interested in basketball than I am snow tubing. I live in Indiana. There's really not a lot of opportunity to go snow tubing around here. So there's a lot that goes into just simply choosing a text and putting it in front of our kids and seeing if they can comprehend. I didn't choose it. I don't have schema and I'm not interested in this. All three of those so far on our list are huge and really are going to be a factor in whether or not I'm truly comprehending the text. So again, I challenge you, if you're picking an article, pick a few, let them choose and see what kind of an impact that really is going to make on your students. All right, we are on to number four. We're talking about nine different areas of impact and what really impacts comprehension, maybe some things that you haven't thought of before. Number four on our list is genre. A book is a book is a book is true and not true at the same time. Books may all look alike on the outside, but on the inside, we know that they're all structured and written in really unique ways. And that's why, of course, that we have genres. And I think students understand genres more than they think they do, especially with as much media that's out there right now in the form of TV and movies. If we talk to them about, you know, what types of movies are out there, they can say, you know, there's cartoons, there's TV series, there's, you know, scary movies, there's funny movies, we've got Disney movies or action movies or science fiction, like they're going to connect genres much better when it comes to other types of media than they will with books, right? But classification of the types of book that we read, if if a student doesn't have exposure to a specific type of genre that he or she is reading, it actually can impact their comprehension. And it goes a lot back deep into text structure, which we're actually going to get into next. Um, But this is one of the reasons why students typically struggle with nonfiction. Growing up, if you think about their literacy history, their parents usually read fiction out loud to them. So when they get to school and they begin to read nonfiction, it's completely different and they struggle. They are used to a typical story grammar, which is characters, plot, fictional text structures. And then we throw them into a new genre like nonfiction. So of course, they're going to lack the comprehension. So it's very important to expose students to as many genres as we can, but also take the time to teach them the characteristics of each genre. This allows the students to really pick up on the specific differences between the genres and identify them as they are reading. It's one of the things that I always teach at the beginning of the year. When we go over the classroom library, we talk about genres, we talk about the differences in them, the characteristics of them. I show them all the different genres and how they're organized in the library, because a lot of that can really unlock going back to some of the things we just talked about. You know, if there's a student in your class who has no idea what science fiction is, and they have no idea that that's a genre, that could be the key to them loving reading. Maybe you have a student who just novels are not their thing, and they want more you know, of a comic book type series, or maybe they just want like things like cookbooks and magazines, and that's fine. But if they don't know that these things exist, then they're going to struggle with that whole motivation factor for a very long time. So overall, exposure to genres is really important and absolutely can be a factor in whether or not your students are comprehending. So kind of spinning off of that, our next one on the list is text structure. 
So this really goes hand in hand with genre. And again, back to science of reading, if you know anything about what the science of reading is really showing us is text structure is a key indicator. So a typical fictional text, as we know, will be written with the a fictional text structure. We call it story grammar. Think about your story elements, your plot diagram. We all know that. So when the structure changes, it can throw students off. If authors use elements in fiction, such as flashbacks, prequels, uh, daydreaming, any type of any type of little blip off of your typical uh, plot diagram, that's going to be a potential hurdle for your students to overcome when they're reading the text. All of those small text structural pieces can impact a reader's ability to understand what's going on in the text. It really can confuse the reader. And basically what the research is saying is that if our students understand text structure better for any genre, fiction or nonfiction, that when they are reading a text, it almost allows them a way to organize the information in their brains. So if I'm approaching a text and I know this specific text is like a compare and contrast text structure, it's nonfiction, then already in my brain, I know that I'm going to have three folders to put information in. I'm going to have one where you know, it's topic A, one for topic B, and one for the similarities for both topic A and B. Same thing, if if I know that it is a sequential type of structure, then already I know that I'm going to have multiple folders in my brain going from, you know, past to present or future or whatever it may be. So it allows the students to almost ready their brains in a way to absorb the information and organize it for better recall. So this happens for both genres, fiction and nonfiction. And it's really important that our students are understanding the structure because if they are not, then basically all that information in the text is just all kind of going into one folder, which makes all of the recall harder and more difficult. Next on the list is actually culture. And this is a big one. So things like figurative language, slang, multiple meaning words, all have to do with language and culture. And all of this language is embedded into the books that we read. A student who has a different cultural background may not actually pick up on these cues in a text, and they will struggle to what's going on in the story. Um, Even in our own country, it doesn't even have to be a student who's from a different cultural background. It could simply be something from a simple change from rural to urban. But there are phrases that are used in some parts of the country, of our country, that are not used in others. These language diversities put our students at risk of not comprehending a text. Also, the overall relevancy of the story itself is a big proponent and lens when it comes to culture. Students in America, for example, reading a story about a young girl who, let's say, is celebrating her quinceanera, which is, of course, the Hispanic celebration of a girl's 15th birthday, that's going to draw confusion, right? We're not used to that. We have our sweet 16. So that's going to be a difference in culture and a difference in understanding and comprehending that your students may come in effect with. It's important, of course, to then identify these language and cultural components of a book and give students support and scaffolding where necessary 
instead of just leaving them to understand and comprehend independently. I'll tell you a little side story. I had a student in my class one year and they were from the country. Now, I live in Indiana. There's, you know, when I say country, it's not like out in Montana or Wyoming where, you know, you live out in the country and there's not a town for, you know, 30, 45 minutes to an hour. Pretty much you drive for an hour or half hour here in Indiana, you're going to hit a city. You're going to hit a, you know, a decent sized city. So, but this student was from the country and they just didn't have a lot of understanding of what it means to live in a city. So things like a skyscraper, I remember specifically that vocabulary word and me just being baffled at the fact that they had no idea what a skyscraper was. But here in Indiana, we have them, you know, in, in almost all of our big cities. Escalators was another one. They had never seen an escalator or even knew what an escalator was. Any student in most cities who, you know, go to a mall or a bigger building, they, they ride them. They, they know what they are. Just little simple things like this, just back from a student's background and culture can really bring, and of course, this stems all the way back to number one, which of course is their background knowledge and schema. All of their life experiences kind of all wrapped into one. But this is a, a kind of a sidestep from schema looking specifically at through the lens of culture. All right, narrowing down our list, memory. A student's memory actually can impact, of course, their ability to comprehend. So memory and age go hand in hand. We know this. The younger our students, the less that we ask them to remember in regards to comprehension and kind of the other way around. So when you think about your young kindergartners, you know, we're not going to ask them to remember every single little detail from a text. We're probably just asking them to remember, you know, the basics, the the setting, you know, what they did, maybe at the beginning, middle and end of a text, etc., But as we get more into the higher grades, fourth, fifth, and sixth, we're really asking them to look deeper into the text and and remember more. And it's important to remember to keep attention spans and memory in mind when giving students a text to read. So if it's not going to be developmentally appropriate for them to read that text because of their age and because of their memory ability, then that could be an obvious impact onto whether or not they're going to comprehend. So a student also who struggles reading a longer text that it is developmentally appropriate. So longer text, let's say they're in fifth grade and they're struggling to read this longer text, they may have memory issues. Memory is a developmental component of a student's brain. And depending on their age and maturity, it may not be completely developed yet. So if you're finding that typical text, even easier text for that age level are still too difficult for a student to remember and recall details, Try doing a few memory activities with him or her throughout the week to try to improve memory abilities. These can be little simple, fun games. I definitely would go and talk to your speech support in your school if you have one or in your district. And they probably have some like memory routines and things that you could do during like your morning meetings or uh, during breaks the end of the day, et cetera, or you could even do them in small groups with the students who need them. All right, we are on our last three. So number eight, I believe, if I counted correctly, this is another another really important one. But in order for our students to really make sure they're getting the full spectrum of comprehension, then discussion needs to be explicitly embedded into our lesson plans. So for number eight, it is discussion. 
We know that true comprehension is not a one-way street. It takes multiple viewpoints other than the reader and the author to really dig in to the true meaning of the text. And many times, unfortunately, we rely on a student to kind of figure it out all on their own. And think about it, as adults, we love to talk about what we read. That's why we have book clubs as adults. I'm in three book clubs myself, and I love going to them and we share our findings. We question with others. We get other perspectives on characters' motives and, you know, what their opinions are of the characters. This is true for students, too. And we will find that when we give the chance for our students to really talk with others, their comprehension improves. It's that simple. The more you talk about the text, the more your comprehension and understanding of that text is going to improve. So the student's ability and availability to discuss a text can directly impact their comprehension. So I always talk to my teachers when I'm coaching them, and we really focus on teacher talk versus student talk. So uh, there'll be a future episode on that. So definitely make sure to take a listen. All right, number nine is access to instruction. I'll go through this one kind of quick, but basically a reader, of course, you know, an emerging reader needs access to a teacher who understands literacy and how to teach it. A teacher who models the thinking process, who gives an inside look at what a reader's brain looks and feels like when reading. If the reader or if the student is denied this, making meaning that they have a teacher who doesn't quite understand how to teach reading yet, and especially with all the, sh- the shifts of science of reading and everything, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. Then the reader, the student themselves could struggle kind of picking up on what true navigation and comprehension looks like and what is required to read and comprehend. So it's so important for teachers to continue their education and learn more about reading instruction, learn more about the science of reading, learn more about comprehension outside of just your four years of bachelor's undergrad. Simply reading things like newly published professional development books, that's a great place to start. There's great textbooks out there that I could recommend if you are looking for some, feel free to reach out and I'm happy to do so. Another great place to go and look for more professional development is inside the Building Comprehension Hub membership. Every month, the members inside there get access to about a 45-minute to an hour-long professional development video that is on demand. It is they, they have access to it as long as they're a member. So there's new professional development videos being added every single month. It's a fantastic place to get PD when you need it and what and PD on what you want too, which is really awesome. So for more information about the membership, make sure to head to buildingcomprehension.com backslash BC hub info. That's B-C-H-U-B-I-N-F-O. And you can learn a whole bunch more about that amazing membership. All right, we're going to wrap up with our last one today of what we are looking at, of what really impacts comprehension. Our last one today is fluency. I had to put it on the list. Of course, it's necessary. And we all know that fluency can impact a student's ability to comprehend. The weaker the fluency, the less likely deep comprehension is taking place. However, we can still teach our struggling readers with fluency to think to help progress them in comprehension while they work on their fluency. So basically what needs to happen is we need to teach them to think about a text and help improve their fluency both at the same time. 
if we decide to work on fluency and comprehension separately, we're really only creating a bigger gap for our students to kind of get caught up on later when they're ready to focus on comprehension. Fluency and comprehension, and honestly, I could take fluency out and it could be phonemic awareness, it could be vocabulary, it could be phonics. These components of literacy and comprehension need to be taught simultaneously. Comprehension is about thinking and fluency is about the words. And I have a really fantastic blog post that I'll put in the show notes. It's all about teaching students who struggle with fluency how to comprehend. So you can head to the website, crharristeaching.com. Up in the top right corner is a little uh, magnifying glass. You can search for that blog post as well, or you can grab it in the show notes. But it's a great blog post that really kind of breaks down some strategies that you can do with your students if they struggle with fluency, how to help them comprehend on that. So overall, friends, teacher friends, as you can see, we know comprehension is so much more than just a reading level. Taking all of these points into consideration can help make your readers go from steady to truly warp speed. So I hope you enjoyed listening about these different areas of impact on comprehension. If you enjoyed today's episode, I highly encourage you to help me spread the word, share this episode with an educator friend. I would also love it if you could take two minutes and head over to wherever you're listening, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and leave me a quick review and a rating that really just helps to make sure we get the word out to other educators that, you know what, this is this is a podcast to be listening to. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'll see you over in the next one. Bye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Literacy Lounge with Sierra Harris. You can find any of the resources mentioned in the show notes at sierraharristeaching.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more support with close reading, download the free close reading guidebook at www.buildingcomprehension.com slash close dash reading dash guidebook. Until next time, happy reading.